There we go. Hey guys, welcome back to Uncovered, a true crime podcast. I'm Lily. And I'm Emma. And that was really good. That was. That was the first try. That never happens. <laughs> no, it doesn't. We laugh for a little bit. For, I didn't write down our news today. This I feel like we haven't recorded in so long. I feel weird. Yeah, I don't... I'm well, not, we recorded, but then we didn't, we upload, didn't it. upload it. And we panicked and had to upload another Colts episode. <laughs> yeah. It turned out good, though. It, yeah. Um, my Our news. We have one big, big announcement. Yeah. And if you're listening to this, then it's live. So, drum roll, please. We have a Patreon! Yeah! yeah. <laughs> um, it's going to launch tonight as we're recording this. So excited. I always think it's very interesting to know when something is recorded. So right now, it's Saturday, August 6th. Yes. I find that, that so interesting, really? too. I know, I'm always like, I wonder when they recorded this. Yeah, so is yeah, it at night? Yeah, it's Saturday, August 6th at uh, almost 8 o'clock. Yep. In the evening. So our Patreon is going to launch in like two hours and I have an alarm set to launch it. So it's probably going to be in an Instagram link. It's also going to be on our Instagram, obviously. So please go join that. It's going to be super exciting. A fun party over there. Yes. All the time. Mm-hmm. It's going to be super fun. Um, how have you been? I feel like we haven't done this in a while. I've been good. Just good. chilling. Busy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You're going to Massachusetts. Yes. I'm leaving Wednesday of this week. Yeah, and that's when I'm getting my tattoo. Oh, that's so cute. Yay, big thanks for us. Yay, yay. So, if you're listening to this, please let me know how you'd feel about uh, Silas coming on the <laughs> show and doing an episode with me because I kind of want to get these parts out because there's going to be a part three. Oh, I didn't yeah, know that. Sorry. No, no, that's actually amazing because I have hardly worked on mine. Okay. Um, so it's good. Yeah. And you know, we can do like a, a filler episode. Oh yeah. Somewhere. Colts. Okay. So Things I have a like funny that. story actually before we, I like rambling. Okay. Sorry to our listeners. Oh my gosh. We got a one star review. Yeah. On Apple. And I'm, Lame. you know what? I'll bet money that it's somebody that I knew from high school. Probably. Because they're all rats. Ooh. Tell them. I will tell them. Soldier boy, tell them. Okay. <laughs> um, I was downtown with my friend last night. And if you follow my personal Instagram, then you saw this, but she wanted to get her nose pierced so bad. And we ended up at this tattoo shop in downtown San Antonio across from the St. Anthony Hotel. Oh. Which is like super, super haunted. Spooky, scary. And I'm trying to convince Lily to do an episode (laughs) of me there in the hotel. I would do it. It'd be so fun. I feel like people are going to blame us like and say that we're ripping someone off. If you know, you know. But I swear to God, we were talking about doing a haunted hotel series like yeah. four months ago. Yes, we did. Anyways, anywho, um, I think it's time to get jump into this case. So yeah. we've recorded this episode already, but it turned out to be thirty minutes. So I went back and added another ten pages of research. Mm-hmm. It, I remember we finished and we were like, "Wait, that doesn't sound right." That was really short. Yeah, so I went back and I edited it. Edit, edited, edited it. it. Edited it. Edited it. I edited Cute. it and I added more things. So now we have a whopping 18 pages. Wow. That's of, exciting. It was so good. Like even the short one was really good. Thank so. you. And I went back and I'm like excited. explained some more things. So Fun. I hope y'all can keep track because I'm, I'm barely keeping track and I wrote everything. So let me know if you're lost. Feel free to ask questions. Okay. Okay. I will try. Okay. So 
I feel like I don't know how to do this. I feel like, okay. So okay. the book I used for this was, uh, or is, The Strange Death of Vincent Foster by Christopher Ruddy. And this is probably one of the best books I've ever read in my entire life. It's, you need, I got it at half price books. I didn't even read what it was about. I just grabbed it off the shelf. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, strange death. Cool. Is that how you decided to do this case? Or Yeah. Because oh. I was like, I feel like I don't have a case to do. Let me look at the books that I got. Yeah. And I was like, oh. Well, that's, I mean, that's smart because that's what I want to do. I have one book, but you really went for it. You oh, bought a lot of them. You. Thank you, Miss Girl. Thank <laughs> you. So he this dude he just knows how to write a book like he gives you all the evidence all the facts he makes like little like jabs at people Mm. who like didn't do their job and a lot of people did not do their job yeah (laughs) in this case it's kind of rough so i just i feel like i need to credit him so a little background on christopher reddy uh he's a journalist and he worked for the new york post and now owns his own media company called newsmax media and this is even better. He literally did the whole investigation by himself, basically. Like, the investigation Whoa. for this book, he talked to everybody involved, took yeah. all the reports, everything, and just That's wrote. so cool. I, I love know. hearing, like, stuff like that. I Leave it to so journalists, cool. bro. Yeah. So, it's going to be three parts. Uh, if you don't like it, f*** you. Yeah. <laughs> just, oh. <laughs> okay. Let's set the scene. All right. Oh, trigger warning. <laughs> <laughs> almost completely forgot that part oh yeah uh suicide graphic descriptions of suicide um guns any just uh, sad I things mean, yeah yes it, definitely rough thing. so if you don't yes. want to listen to that i'd understand recommend skipping this case we have some funny cult episodes if you haven't listened to those yeah go listen to those mm-hmm. um yeah we need to like do more lighthearted episodes so i can like, yeah reference let's set the scene all right let's go it is wednesday afternoon july 21st 1993 the right. White House, they're panicking. They were just about to have a press conference to release information on the death of one of the highest federal officers in the nation at the time, Vincent Walker Foster Jr., who was the Clinton's family confidant. His body was found around 21 hours before this time in Fort Marcy Park, Virginia, just seven miles from the White House. Around this time, the Clinton family was dealing with multiple scandals that I won't get into, but it was assumed by the U.S. Park Police that Foster, depressed, had gone into a park and committed suicide. This this was really interesting. This was the first death of a high-rank official since the death of Secretary of Defense James Forrestal leaped from the... Leapt from... Is leaped a word? No. Okay. I don't think so. Leapt from the 16th floor of a hospital in Maryland in 1949. And if Foster was murdered and didn't commit suicide, it would be the highest ranking murder since the assassination of JFK. That's crazy. I know. Do you know why he was in the hospital? In the... The The other man? Sorry. Oh, okay. Sorry. Maybe, I don't know. It was like easy to get to the top of the building. Yeah. This was in 1949. I don't know how it works in 1949. <laughs> Sorry, I was just curious. I didn't know if he no, was no. like... <laughs> That's a good question, though. Thank uh, you. I'm trying to be better about asking no, questions. You're good. I know. I kind of like harped on you last time. <laughs> I was like, ask questions, Lily. Like I said, if he was murdered, it would be the highest ranking murder since the assassination of JFK. So this was very big news, and it was even described as a crisis. Wow. So here's some early background life on Mr. Vincent Walker Foster Jr. Nice. Uh, he was... <laughs> Me trying to add commentary. Nice. Nice. Um, Sorry. (laughs) He was born in Hope, Arkansas, and had two siblings. His father was a successful real estate agent, and uh, Foster grew up to be, I wrote, rally successful in high school. Rally? Rally successful. 
in athletics, and he was even head of student council. I have to burp. Okay. He graduated high school in 1963, attended Davidson College, earning a bachelor's degree in psychology, and his father wanted him... There should be a period there. Oh. Okay. I hate it when I do that. I know. So he earned his bachelor's degree in psychology, and then his father wanted him to join the family real estate company shortly after he graduated, but he opted out to attend law school instead. Wow. He went to Vanderbilt School of Law, and during this time, he signed up for the Arkansas National Guard to avoid the draft. Because this was at the height of the Vietnam War, and I forgot to mention, Bill Clinton was his childhood friend. That's crazy. I know. Imagine being like, my best, my childhood bestie is Bill Clinton. Yeah. I wonder if that's like the biggest reason that Foster was even in. That's okay. I'm wondering if that's the reason that Foster was even in the White House is because he was friends with him. Yeah. Yeah. Probably because there was like it was him. Uh, it was Foster Clinton, and then one other guy, and they were all childhood friends, and they were all mm. working in the White House. Yeah, that would make sense. It would. And the other friend, I can't recall his name right now, but it said that he informed Clinton about Foster's death. Mm. Especially if they were, like, friends and they all had, like, a common interest in, like, politics and stuff, you know? That's true, yeah. Yeah. So, um, they lived across the street from each other, actually, and attended the same private kindergarten. Wow. Which just sounds so, so rich. Fancy. So yeah. rich. So Private many. kindergarten. Never, yeah. For Couldn't a be while. me. I know, Sam. I'm homeschooled. Yes, yeah, <laughs> So, same. until Clinton's family moved away to a different part of Hope, and the Fosters eventually moved to Hot Springs, Arkansas. He met his wife during his sophomore year of college, and they were married in April of 1968, and they went on to have three children, Vincent III, Laura, and John. Now, jumping right back into the actual case, here's some background on the U.S. Park Police. Oh. We don't like the Park Police. No, we don't. We don't. Uh... They're they're bumbling idiots and they annoy me. Okay, yeah, they're not swag. They're really not swag. Yeah. When we have merch, we need to have a shirt that says <laughs> swag and not swag. Yeah. Just so you can decide how you're feeling for the day. Yeah, right. So, I can't stand the park, bro. Like I actually can't. Yeah. Uh, irritating. They're so irritating. It's like that TikTok of where they're like and then I hear this what was it? Irritating? <laughs> Griping? Lee? Yes, the yes. Abby Lee one. Yeah, this, that's them. This I have to find. We should now. we should make that TikTok after this, like when this is posted. Oh, we'll do it on like the uncovered. That would account. be so funny. Okay, and then I, I we talk about the park police. This agitating voice. That's what it was. <sighs> and now I yes. Want to sit back and relax and enjoy my evening. When all of a sudden I hear this agitating, grating voice. Yep. That we one. Need to do that. Yes, we should do that when we post Follow it. Follow us on TikTok. Oh yeah, what is What's it? At uncovered. I think I know. Um, I never know. The Uncovered Podcast. Yeah. Go follow us on TikTok. So the Park Police is one of the oldest police forces in the nation. It was founded in 1791, and their jurisdiction is much larger than most police forces because they are in charge of protecting the capital for the most part. Mm. So this particular area of park police patrols the highways called parkways that circle the entire capital. And most members of park police are retired military, mainly ones who have hopes of joining the FBI or ATF. And their squad also includes members who were rejected by federal agencies mm, they're just tired you know they so, retired from the military yeah but they're from, just tired from what i've seen like the people who are retired from the military they're the cool ones oh okay they're the ones who are like this okay. is my shit i love this part it's like, just the rejected ones it's the rejected ones who Makes feel sense. like they have something to prove it right. seems like um right 
Okay. Yeah, not herping on our on our boys. Who, no, no, no. You know, thank you for your service. Yes, but thank you. Other park police, bro, bro. It's uh, you'll hear about it. Yeah. Um. So. In the press conference after the body had been confirmed to be that of Vincent Foster, Thomas McClarty, who was the White House Chief of Staff, and the Communications Director, Mark Guerin, began their press conference about the death of Vincent Foster. McClarty saying mid-speech, quote, Try as we might, with all of our reason, all of our rationality, all of our logic, we can never answer the questions raised by such a death. Continuing with, We really can never fully know a person's private pain and what might lead them in their thought process, even a person we have known all of our lives. So, so is he one of it was he close with him? Yeah, so McCarty okay. had known Foster for forty years. Okay, well wow. at the time of his Did you death. say that? I'm sorry. Sometimes... No, not yet. You've like led me right into oh, this. Oh perfect. perfect. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So Cute. but notice how in that speech the word suicide was never directly mentioned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So interesting yeah uh, after mcclarty had finished his speech mark Guerin took over to discuss more of the situation and he explained how white house security received a call from park police about quote a body being found in a park near the white house secret service then informed those who needed to be informed around 8 30 that evening and get this all of this was going on and so like people are finding out oh my god like foster's dead yeah Mr. Clinton was on Larry King Live (laughs) during this time. He was in the White House library chatting it up with Larry King. Right. Is Larry King dead? I don't think so. I need to know. I I don't actually know. I feel like he's been dead for a long time, but then I'd look it up. He's been dead for a while. And he's not. Oh, he died last year. (gasps) That's right. Okay, I remember that. I only, I literally only know about Larry King from Larry B. King Live on uh, (laughs) the B movie. Yeah, we need to pull our shit together. Sorry. Okay. So, yeah, I just, I find that really funny that Clinton was just chatting up with Larry King. He even offered to, like, extend his, his showing. Wow. Because it was something like, I didn't put this in the, in the, like, the podcast research, but in the book it said that Larry King was endorsing Bill Clinton, so Bill Clinton made an agreement (laughs) to go on the show every six months. Oh my gosh, what? I know. That's funny. During a commercial break, actually, Clinton was informed about this, which made him leave the show early and not extend it another 30 mm. minutes. So going back to the press conference, and I'm going to jump around a lot Okay. in this just to like tack on more information, because if I did it like in sections, it would be like seven pages on this, on like where they, how they saw his gun was in his right hand. Like it would be like yeah. really, really long. So right. That makes sense. Just to keep y'all sane, I'm going to like bounce back it's easy to keep track of though yeah so um during the press conference that i just mentioned many questions were asked including was there a note which garen answered no to so there was not a note at this time yeah but there was a note that i'm gonna read y'all at the end Ooh. so another one was what is the evidence that this is a suicide which is a great question i'm still asking that. yeah so garen responded Quote, the Park Service report indicated that. Simple as that. But the Park Police suck. <laughs> so he tried to, like, assure everyone that investigative laws and procedures were set in place and that the White House would be working closely in investigating Foster's death. And then one reporter brought up a good point and asked, is it standard procedure for the White House, despite the fact that the victim worked here, to be involved in directing how the investigation is coordinated or having the federal authorities to do that? 
Mm-hmm. See, that's like. Well, yeah, because anywhere else. Yeah, wouldn't like you be wouldn't involved. be able. To, yeah, like is a fan. Like say, say, oh, uh, there's this couple and the wife dies. Would the husband be allowed to like lead the investigation? If you no. Yeah, no, because it's it's like you know. Yeah. Right. In the circle of your family, so. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, so, that is weird. After this question, Garen was like, no, it's fine, it's fine. And he promised that he would eventually come out with the specific legalities at a later time, but he couldn't answer it at this very moment. Mm. So let's rewind and go back to the afternoon of July 20th, the last day Foster was seen alive. It was a Tuesday afternoon in the White House. I always, like, set these photographs <laughs> up, like, so... I, I know, I like so, how you... So, it's like a scene, two, like you're filming. No, so You're it was like a, a Tuesday afternoon in the White House. Uh, okay. Everything seemed normal and was business as usual. And according to the official Fisk report, remember how last time we, we talked about this? Fisk? I figured it out. Okay, what is it? Tell me. It's, I. It's one of two things. <laughs> it's a person. I know that. Okay. But it's either an investigator or a lawyer. Oh. Okay. So it's a person. So like in, it's like Fisk's reports. Okay. <sighs> So if I say if okay. I say Fisk report, it's so like, it's a person. It's a person. Oh, it's, okay. it's his report. It's Fisk's report. <laughs> I don't. I'm sorry. I, I don't think, know why I thought I that was I funny. I could be totally wrong, but that's what I gathered because yeah. I saw a name that said Fisk, and I was like, I've never seen that last name before, so I'm gonna assume that a Fisk report <laughs> means a person like this person's report. Oh, that's funny. Somebody's gonna like. Okay, so Foster walked out of his office holding his jacket, but not his briefcase. Mm. He told one of his coworkers there was extra M and M's in the room if he wanted some. And he stated, quote, I'll be back, and then left. His body was found only five hours later in Fort Marcy Park. And usually in most suicide cases, you'll see that there is an effort to say goodbye to loved ones. Mm. Like a note, uh, something, like a a recording. Like a phone call, maybe. Phone call, yes. Like just weird saying, like, goodbye. Yes. But he said, I'll be back. Mm. That's weird behavior. Yeah. So... There was nothing, and even in the note that I'm going to read you later, there was nothing about, like, a goodbye. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. So, the next month, on August 10th, 1993, Park Police Chief released the results of the Park Police Inquiry, saying, quote, The condition of the scene, the medical examiner's findings, and the information gathered clearly indicate that Mr. Foster committed suicide. Without an eyewitness, the conclusion is deduced after the review of the injury, the presence of the weapon, the existence of some indicators of a reason, and the elimination of murder. Our investigation has found no evidence of foul play. The information gathered from associates, relatives, and friends provide us with enough evidence to conclude that Mr. Foster was anxious about his work and he was distressed to the degree that he took his own life. I wonder what his family was thinking. Like, I'm sure they believed that. I I do want to know what they think. Yeah. Yeah, That's a good question. Because, like, were they, like... Because I'm sure they had seen the scene like or like been know described yeah, yeah right so i wonder what they thought well his wife is questioned later about the gun and she's mm. like mm, we never had a gun like that but oh. i'll get into that oh um so we're gonna go into like how his body was found and like the one hundred thousand bajillion questions surrounding the way that the investigation was gone about and like all the conflicting stories of oh, everyone involved oh great so prepare yourself <laughs> okay um after the statement released, every American was like, damn, bro, that's sad. Moved on. Didn't question anything. <laughs> but also, who was going to? Like, right. it's, it's the FBI investigating right. this. You like, would like to think that they know what you, they're talking you can about. trust them. Right. So, it just sounded like a tragedy. The story that was basically known around the country was that Foster 
worked under the Clinton administration. He began to become depressed and his job was so stressful. It eventually drove him to such a dark place that he took his own life. And I'm not saying that's like a boring story, but I'm just saying like that was the, yeah, was the run of the mill, like yeah. run of the mill. That sounds wrong. Just the, it was the, I mean, it's, I mean, I feel like when things are stressful and your mental health kind of declines, that is, it's, yeah, it's totally possible. Yes, it is. It's a yeah. very possible scenario. So that was the story that was known around the entire country. So there were also other things going on. I can't exactly remember, but it was like, I don't know. There were like things going on in the country. So it was just kind of like. Yeah, it was just a stressful time. It's like how the news is today. Like you see one thing on the news and you're like, oh my God. And then yeah. like the next day you completely forget about it because there's another <laughs> tragedy happening. Yeah, right. So what else is this? Okay, so this, I find this really funny. Our boy Christopher Reddy. I'm going to keep saying our boy Christopher Reddy. Yeah. So the author of this book, uh, he started his own investigation into this case when he was reading articles, just articles, <laughs> articles about it, and noticed so many inconsistencies in the reporting, as well as almost zero information on exactly how the body was found, the blood, the gun, eyewitnesses, and he thought it was a little suspicious. Yeah, I would too. Which props to him because I feel like articles have contradicting information all the time. Oh, yeah. So they for him to do. be like, I mean, he's a journalist, I guess. He knows. Yeah, he knows the, he knows it well. <laughs> he did. He does indeed, Lily. <laughs> okay. Uh, trigger warning. This part's going to get graphic. So if you'd like to leave. Or skip. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> Gitchy, gitchy, yeah, You just got crisp. That was really good. Thanks. Okay, so am I close enough to this mic? I don't know. Maybe be, maybe be a little maybe closer. Be a little closer. Oh, I've done like stitch. Okay. <laughs> I just got what you said. Oh, Hanuman's family. Uh, one thing. <laughs> I'm oh, yeah. sorry. Okay. Oh, Anyways. again. Trigger warning in case you just got caught up listening to her. Whatever that things. was. So one thing that does make this look like a suicide is that the story that is told is that Foster pressed the barrel of his gun to the back of his throat, aimed upwards, and his thumbs were used to pull the trigger. But after the author of this book spoke with the coroner, the gun was found firmly held in Foster's hand. Mm-hmm. And not only in his hand, but the barrel was tucked under his right leg. Wait. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, how do you explain that? Yeah. So, if you've ever shot a gun, you've shot a gun, I have. I've shot a gun, you know how strong the recoil is, mm-hmm. even on a small handgun? Mm-hmm. Like, you have to, like, you know, put Girl. your body weight into it. Yeah, I get nervous sometimes, and I then I don't hit I, bro, the target. I saw this video one time, he wasn't holding it firm. Oh, no. And he pulled the trigger, <gasps> and it flew back. And then he, like, it kept going <gasps> off, and it was spinning back towards him. Oh, and it that's, barely missed him. that's so scary. I know. Gun safety is important. Guys. It is very important. Learn gun safety. Yes. So, anyways. I mean, we both shot guns around the same size as the one found on the scene, and we yes. know it's it's going to fly out of your hand if right. you don't hold it firmly. Exactly. So, in most suicide scenes, you will find that once the trigger is pulled, the recoil will throw the gun from the scene, apparently sometimes 15 feet or more. But in this case... Uh, it was in his hand. In his hand, under his leg. Yeah. Uh, Don't think that would happen. Yeah, so... Personally? So now, after seeing that... Oh, sorry. It's after okay. seeing that, the story was now that he laid down to shoot himself, which, if he did this, the bullet would be found in the ground under his head. Right. And it still doesn't explain how the gun was tucked under his leg. 
Yeah. But okay. Yeah, that's weird. I know. So, and if, <laughs> if that's not weird enough, there was no apparent blood or blowback on the gun. Yeah. And Foster had no damage to his teeth. Which yeah. is another common thing. Yeah. See. So, yeah, the barrel would have. That was missed. added from last time. We didn't really? go over that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that is. Oh, let me. Let me look up something really quick. Sorry, my foot's itchy. Okay, good. I did include that information. I was going to. Yeah, I'm going to go back to um, that eventually because there's more information. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Where am I? Okay, so now we're going to look into the layout of Fort Marcy Park. And I'm on my phone when you talk I just, no, I just opened your Snapchat. Oh. You were like. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, this is a little bit weird because we're going to get into two different markers that, see, bro, I've done so much research since I wrote this part. I completely forgot about the cannons, but. That's oh, a very, that's right. It's a very important part. Yeah, so, this adds a lot. It's not me this time. I know. So <laughs> It's okay. This is the park where Foster was found. And strangely, I couldn't find a map of the park, but, but, but. <laughs> but I did get to see that it is a densely wooded park, very green, thick vegetation. Okay. And it's a pretty small area for a park to be located in. It's just a historical site, so that's why, probably why they made it a park. Yeah, it's not um, like a central park yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, It's only about a quarter mile wide. And there are neighborhoods surrounding the other two sides of the park. So on the inside of the park is a flat area a few hundred feet in length. And upon investigation, the news had it all wrong. If the reporters had actually visited the park like our boy Christopher Ruddy did, they might have gotten their facts and their articles Mm -hmm. correct. And then this book wouldn't even have been written. So (laughs) I like it. Wait, I didn't even like get into the layout, so... Okay, yeah, that's a cliffhanger, apparently. I don't know what Emma, like, three weeks ago was writing this, being like, whoa, cliffhanger. So, um, later a statement came out when beginning this investigation that it was not, what the fuck did I write? (laughs) Dude, I do that all the time. Oh, okay, yeah. So, this is a fun little fact. So, you know how, like, cops are supposed to, you know, be like, oh, we suspect foul play, a statement came out that when they started this investigation, it was not even thought of to maybe even treat this as a homicide investigation because it was, quote, so clearly a suicide. Hmm. It didn't even cross their minds. Yeah. So, Which is so weird just because so of the scene, the way it was set up and it everything. It was all park police too, bro. Yeah. What kind of jurisdiction do park police even have? Right, Exactly. So, well, and do they regular? They don't probably regularly no. investigate this stuff. So, how what, many people die in parks? Right, not a lot. No, and and, and if they did, I'd be concerned about that and area. It's not even that, but it's a high-ranking White House official. Right, like they were they were told to do things, which I guess it must be their jurisdiction. Jurisdiction, if they were told to do it, but like they were charged with like bagging evidence. Yeah. Like, that don't seem like your job, bro. Yeah, that's really strange. Yeah. So, going yeah. back to the events leading up to the discovery of Foster's body, Sergeant George Gonzalez, the lead paramedic of the county's fire and rescue station number one, was one of the first to arrive on the scene. So, the day that the body was found, July 20th, two different 911 calls were made, the first being much stranger than the second. The first one was made by a payphone and described the scene as, quote, a possible dead body at Fort Marcy Park. 
Uh, it turned out to be a maintenance worker that was told to call police by a man driving a white van. Ooh. So this dude in the van told the worker to call and then dipped. Oh. So once Gonzalez arrived on the scene, Park Police Officer Kevin Fornshill joined him. And there were seven total responders on the scene, but they didn't know where the body was since the 911 call lacked specifics. Oh. So they passed the cannon on the southern side. So I'm going to explain the cannons now. Okay. There's a cannon on the southern side, which to their knowledge was the only cannon in the park. This is known as the first cannon. Okay. So there's another so th- cannon. So they weren't aware of the other one at all? No, then? nobody was. Everyone oh, okay. Which is like, weird if the park... That's what I'm saying, bro. <laughs> the park police didn't even know. Wait. What? <laughs> yeah, they also didn't secure the back entrance oh. when this happened. So, so people could have just been d- walking. Driving in, walking in. Dude. Oh, yeah, I... so that's just Anyways. the first of a, like, one of their many colossal. That's wild. Bleep ups. <laughs> <laughs> so the, I'm going to refer to the Southern Canon as the first canon, and this is the only one that people knew of, basically. So there was another canon near Dense Brush. But this can't. This cannon. Keep this in mind. Could not be seen from where Foster's body was found. Okay. The second cannon could not be seen. They moved along the area where the first cannon was and stumbled across Foster's body. He was lying face up with his arms and legs extended in a symmetrical, <laughs> symmetrical way, with his arms by his sides. But in the park police official report, they claimed they found his body by the second cannon. And it's just such, it's such a weird little, like, inconsistency that you're like, Emma, why is this important? Trust me. So, (laughs) Gonzalez then checked for vital signs without touching the body, which we talked about this last time. It's, like, kind of cool that you can do that. Yeah. I didn't know you could do that. It's crazy. Um, He could tell that Foster was clearly deceased. There were already flies swarming the body. And at the time of the discovery, there was only one other couple in the park, so they were the only technical witnesses, even though they weren't mm-hmm. helpful at all. Yeah. Which, that's not their fault. They were just not... They were just not there. They were just not there. Yeah, it wasn't the right time, right place. They just place. didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> so, right off the bat, there's conflicting reports from the officials that found the body. For example, Fornshill, the one that I mentioned earlier, uh, claimed that he was the one to find the body, and that Foster was lying, quote, on a steep slope of the western berm directly in front of the park's second cannon, and that he stayed at the top of the hill to call the other responding paramedics. And this directly contradicts Gonzalez's statement, because mm-hmm. in his, he was the one who found the body and called to Fornshill. Yeah. And so... Uh, uh, you know how I hate the park police? So there was... There was not a full search of the park after the body was found. Yikes. They didn't, like, clear the park. Yeah, didn't check. Didn't check. For extra evidence. Extra or, evidence. Anything. People. You know, people. Like, anyone. They didn't even, like I said, they didn't even secure the park's rear entrance. And in grand jury proceedings, they stated that they weren't even aware this back entrance existed. I just, like... I just want to know why. How, also. How? Like, just, how do you work in that area? Yeah. How do you patrol that area, I guess? How is... Yeah. You like, literally... Your one job... Is to do that. Is the parks. And you don't even know... You don't even what know the parks. Is what it is <gasps> like. This, the layout? Yeah. Like... Yeah. Didn't even know there was a second cannon. Yeah. Like, what? I don't know. Anywho. I don't know. So, this is a big piece of information. In Gonzalez's statement, he said... I have to burp again. He said, I have to burp again. <laughs> He said he motioned to the revolver by Foster's body and told Fornshill to look. 
Fornschel later says he never saw the gun in Foster's hand. Because remember, he was the one up on the hill. Mm -hmm. But Fornschel was the one to claim the death a suicide without ever actually getting close to the scene. That's just not He right. was up on a hill. He was like, that's a dead body. He obviously <laughs> committed suicide. Yeah. He didn't even see the gun. He didn't even see the gun, Lily. Dude. <sighs> that so, is crazy. I know. How, who gave him that right? <sighs> who said mom, that? Probably, I don't know. Probably. Your mom. <laughs> your, your, your mom! Jean, Jean would never. Oh, Jean could never. She would never. She would never. So, I know I've been going, again, the cannons. They're important. Um... So everyone and their mom <laughs> believed that this park only had one cannon. And even most members of the park police believed there was only one, which is, like I said, the first cannon. So when official reports came out, it put Foster directly in front of the second cannon that no one even knew about. And in every news report, it said the same thing. So where are they getting the second cannon thing from? Right. But the second cannon could not even be seen from where the body was found. Yeah, from where they were. Yeah, so it gets better. Oh, boy. Gonzalez changed his freaking statement. You can't do to that, To say man. that his body was found directly in front of the second cannon. Not near the second cannon. Directly mm -hmm. in front. So we have the real location, which is on the berm past the first cannon on that little slope. And then we have the media reports, like media slash reports location, which is directly in front of the second cannon. So even the responding medical technician who placed Foster's body into a body bag said he did not recall a cannon nearby because there wasn't. And if you had to work around a cannon, you would know, you would notice. Yeah. And you would recall something like that. Be like, oh, this is a first. Even if like the body was like. A little bit yeah. away from it. Yeah. It would still be there. Yeah, but they were saying, like, he was found basically under, like, the barrel of the yeah, cannon. Yeah, if you had to lift a body or into... Up, like, over and around yeah. the cannon, you'd notice. Yes. So, it's the 90s. Yeah, uh, right. They used Polaroids for crime scene photos. And the police sergeant did take some on film. So, 30 Polaroids were taken, but uh, only 13 are in the police file. Only 13. It's just so unprofessional. Yeah, so 10 of the 13 photos are of the body, but they're really close-up shots. Like, you can't see anything really around mm -hmm. it. Uh-huh. So one photo showed Foster's hand holding the gun, and the hand and the gun are around thick, dense foliage, just like that of which Gonzalez had described. But get this. The image and foliage is not consistent with the area of the second cannon, which is where they say they found the right. body. Right. The second cannon is in front of a dirt path. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> I, dude, I, I can't. So it's so irritating. I know. One USA Today reporter went out to the park with little information, and he didn't know where the body was found and just kind of wandered around until he came across the area in front of the second cannon with... Okay, this is the other thing. It kind of seems like... I don't want to say staged, because I don't want to get uh, dead, but... <laughs> He I'm came sorry. across the area in front of the second cannon, and there were white surgical gloves strewn about, and mm. a, quote, quote, a stain of blood about the size of a small melon. But Park Police reported that the blood left a, quote, large pool of blood, so yet another yeah. inconsistency. So, right. the report made by USA Today only reinforced the idea that Foster was found in front of the second cannon, and I don't think crime scene units are, like, supposed to leave gloves there. Uh, like, yeah. That's, like, or, like, hazardous. blood. Or, yeah. Blood. That, too. Blood. Blood. 
Um, Wait, so was that in front of the first cannon then? It, or second? It was in front of the second. Mm. But there was a small pool, a small stain. Yeah. But Park Police said it was a large pool of blood. Right. So, like I said... That's um, suspicious. It's a little weird. Yeah, it's a little weird. And like I said, biohazardous. Right, and they wouldn't do that because they're professional. Exactly. For the most part. Exactly. And then the rest of the Polaroids depicted Foster lying in front of heavy, dense vegetation. Right. Which is consistent with the with first, the first cannon. cannon. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you. You're getting it. I'm so proud of you. Oh, yeah, girl. I got it. So, quote, um, <sighs> the discrepancy involving a seemingly simple matter such as the location of the body is emblematic of the dozens of other disturbing questions involving the official handling of the case, to which I say slay. Mm. Um, slay the day away, if you will. Yeah, so that's where I ended part one last time. Dang. But now we're going to get into what would have been another episode, but we're just going to fit it all in today for you Woo! guys. What page are we on? We are on... We're on... We're halfway through. Oh, okay. That's a <laughs> lot longer than the last time. Yeah. <laughs> 41 minutes. Okay, slay me. Um, <laughs> welcome to part two. Oh, should we have like a... Let I me need, take a I little sippy. I know. Dr. Donald Hout, medical examiner for Fairfax County, was the ME who arrived on site the night. Do you want to hear what sentence I wrote? Yeah. Who arrived on site the night, the night of August <laughs> death. <laughs> <laughs> on site the night, the night of the death. <laughs> what was that supposed to be? Oh, he was the Emmy who arrived on site the night of the death. Oh, okay. And he was the one to declare Foster dead. So, I think that's supposed to say in his findings. Girl, I was typing furiously. It was also like 7 in the morning. Yeah, it's okay. In his findings, he described a place that was 100% consistent with the first cannon. And there was absolutely no cannon in the immediate area of the body. He was also completely unaware of the other cannon in the corner of the park. In his findings, he writes that the nearest cannon was located 10 to 20 yards from the body, which is consistent with the first Mm -hmm. cannon. So, this was funny to me. Um, A man named Robert Reeves, a retired Army soldier, had taken a special interest to Fort Marcy, and no one knew the park better than him. Like, if you had a question, this was the guy to go to. They even called him the mayor of Fort Marcy because he had visited (laughs) that park multiple times a week for three decades. Whoa. So this dude, unlike the park police. He knows this park. He knows his way around this park. So the week of Foster's death, this is just bad luck in my opinion. Oh, no. He was undergoing surgery. So he couldn't be there that week. So when he returned, he had a chat with the maintenance supervisor, Tyrone Brown, who informed Mr. Reeves that, quote, Mr. Foster died by the area of the first cannon. And that most of the cleanup occurred near the first cannon in the main clearing of the park. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Mr. Reeves took note of this, and when he noticed a TV crew filming deep in the woods by the second cannon, he kindly told them that they had the wrong location. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so, the host showed Mr. Reeves a map that the park police had prepared for them that showed the second cannon marked as the area of Foster's death. Oh, no. Mr. Reeves asked Mr. Brown, the maintenance guy, about this issue, and Mr. Brown was like, "Mm, no, I can assure you he was found by the first cannon. Also, park police never interviewed him. Wow. Yeah. So his knowledge of this park goes back 30 years. Why wouldn't you want... Why wouldn't you, like, ask 
ask him any questions. questions. Like I know he was out for the week and he wasn't there, but right. He, but he knows the park. Yeah. He knows how it's set up. Yeah. So I find this very interesting. Uh, yeah. the next summer, the first cannon was removed entirely from the park. Oh, wow. Uh, this was following Ruddy's inquiries and reports about the different information found between everyone. So it kind of seems like they were just trying to get rid of it completely. Yeah. Um, like, that's a whole piece of history. That's Why are they weird. It? But, I mean, don't jump to conclusions yet because uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. we do need to chill because apparently it was being used in some ceremony. And it was restored to its original location about three years later, but oh, okay. kind of weird nonetheless. I mean, yeah, it is a little yeah. strange. I'm like, this is the smoking gun. <laughs> <laughs> they moved the cannon. <laughs> Um, so now we're going to get into the FBI lab reports and all of the forensic evidence. Oh, fun. So in late 1994, the Western Journalism Center hired two former New York City police homicide experts, Vincent Scalise and Fred Santucci. They sound Italian <laughs> as fuck. So they do. They were both very, very well versed in crime scene analysis, and I would trust them with any investigation. So these Swag. two teamed up with Dr. Richard Safferstein, a prominent forensic scientist, to conduct a crime scene reconstruction in the park, and then they to and then do follow up lab tests to see what they could find. So our investigators concluded that the forensic evidence quote does not support the police and Fisk reports that Foster's body was found on the path directly in front of the second cannon site. So they didn't support them. Yeah, they were like, it wasn't in front of the second Good. Planet. Yeah. So Tell them. The path was covered in dirt. I mean, it is a dirt... Uh, I'm so <laughs> dumb. Sometimes I write really dumb sentences, and then I continue, and I'm like, wow, really good job, Emma. That was great. I do that, too. That's so funny. So, yeah. Um, I, I wrote, don't... The path was covered in dirt, and then I wrote... wrote <laughs> I mean, it is a dirt path, so that makes sense. <laughs> and it was definitely not consistent with the ABC Polaroid that was released. Oh, that's so funny. Now... If you're not convinced yet that this whole thing is a little suspicious, uh-huh. uh, let me drop this little piece of information on you. Okay, so, here we go. So, from where Foster's car was parked in the parking lot and where his body was found, there is about 800 feet of grass and dirt, just mm-hmm. ground to walk on. Yep. In the FBI lab report, there was not one speck of soil on his clothing or his shoes. Yeah. His shoes had not one speck mm-hmm. of dirt, grass. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. That's... That's a little weird. Weird. That's weird. It's pretty so, strange. In the scene reenactment, they used someone super similar to Foster's height and weight, and his clothing and shoes came back covered in particles. Uh-huh. So what happened? Did he float there? Right. Like, <laughs> like, you know, like in those old cartoons when they smell something good? Yeah, they float up in the air. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, so... Definitely not. That's suspicious. Yeah, that is really suspicious. Um, Now, this idea does make some sense. The detectives noted that if Foster's body was indeed found in the area of the first cannon, it would explain the lack of soil particles because it was all dense vegetation on the ground. Okay. Because his shoes and clothes would have never come back with soil particles on them. And in the Polaroid, the detectives noticed a leaf, and they were able to identify it as one of the plants near the area of the first cannon. Not by the second. Oh. I don't think I finished that paragraph, because that didn't really make sense. Yeah, I'm a, I was I'm a little confused. Yeah, so sorry about that one, guys. That's okay. But, I mean, either way, he didn't have... Anything. And, you know, I think what I was trying to say was, if his body was found in the area of the first cannon, it would have 
less soil particles. Yeah. But it's still weird that there was nothing. Right. Well, yeah. 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 Because you're still walking on the ground. Yeah. So our, our Italian New York detectives came up with a few reasons on why this case has so many inconsistencies. And not going to lie, they kind of make sense, but it's still weird. So Okay. Theory number one is that they were trying to cover the actual location to keep press and civilians out of it. And send them to the wrong spot, basically. <clears throat> Sorry, hiccups. But my question is, if this is a federal investigation, you literally have the power to close the park. Right. Like, like and they didn't even have the other end of the park monitored while they exactly. were, like, doing stuff. Like, have somebody on patrol all night for however right. long you need to, like, examine the scene. Exactly. Like, exhaust those resources, boys. Yeah. So, theory number two is that in the initial report, they made an oopsie and specified the wrong canon, and instead of just admitting this mistake and correcting themselves early on, they let this case get to where it's gotten, which is just full of speculation and yeah. suspicions of foul play. Right. And... Number three, my favorite theory, personally, <laughs> is that it's a police cover-up initiated early on. <clears throat> so, there were only four witnesses on the day Foster died. The couple in the park and the man in the white van who told the maintenance worker to call 911 and someone who's only known as CW, which means confidential witness. Oh. So, in a routine homicide investigation, the first witness is crucial. And in that case, it would be the man in the white van. But remember... This case was never treated as a homicide because it was, quote, so clearly a suicide. Right. Now, even better, you're probably thinking, oh, man, guess we'll never know who the guy in the van was. False. Our Ooh. boy, Mr. Reeves, the guy who knows the park like the back of his hand, uh-huh. keeps tabs on all of the park regulars. Oh, uh, when being interviewed by our boy, Chris Ruddy, for the book, Mr. Reeves was like, oh, yeah, here's the van. Here's the company it belongs to. And the description of the man who drove that van was consistent with Francis Swan's description, which I think was the... um. The guy who was told to call 911, I believe. I might be wrong. Don't quote me on that. And if only park police had interviewed this guy who practically lived in the park, they would have been able to talk to the person who made the first 911 call. Oh, my god! But they didn't because they're the park police. Right. So according to Richard Arthur, the Fairfax County medical technician, Vincent Foster may have suffered more than one wound. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. So... More than the gunshot to his head that killed him. So Arthur stated to FBI investigators in March nineteen of ninety in March nineteen of ninety-four. <laughs> in March nineteen ninety-four. Wait, did I 19, no. Okay, March nineteen ninety-four. Wait, he believed could be a, a quote, small gunshot wound on Foster's neck just below the jawline. Oh. And it's in his notes as quote, what appeared to be a small caliber bullet hole on the right side, just under the jawline, about halfway between the ear and the tip of the chin. So, like, right mm-hmm. here. So, did, they didn't release that then in the... Oh, no, they just didn't accept his evidence. Oh, get, my gosh. Get this. So, the FBI dismissed this finding at was as what was just a small blood stain. It wasn't a gunshot wound, bro. You're tripping. Um, it was... Yeah. Excuse me? Yeah. If it's a gunshot wound, I I'm think, pretty sure you could tell that it's yeah. a gunshot so, wound. So... I'm not a professional of any kind, but I think a medical technician would be able to tell the difference between a bloodstain and a gunshot wound. I don't know. Ah, yeah. Just my opinion. Maybe a little bit. So (laughs) that's not the only weird thing the medical tech found. Uh, When he was on scene with the body, he noted that the gun in Foster's hand was that of a 9mm or 45 caliber gun, which would be consistent with the smaller wound found on his neck. But he later claimed he was absolutely certain it was not the 38 caliber that the police said was found with the body. What? Yeah. Some medical technicians like, that's not the same gun, bro. 
That's crazy. Yeah. What? So what does this mean? If <laughs> Arthur is right, the gun that was found with the body could have been switched sometime after the police arrived. Mm. And Arthur was very, very, very certain that the gun he saw in the body was not a revolver that was in the crime scene Polaroids. And it's evident something was moved because going back to those Polaroids, it's seen that different blades of grass are in between different <gasps> fingers of Foster's in different photos. Oh. I know. So, And do you think, like, someone switched the gun, like, for fingerprints or something? Well, I'm going to get to fingerprints on the gun, Miss Girl. Girl. So, uh, this, this is the other thing. Uh, the gun couldn't even be connected to Foster. It wasn't his gun. Yeah. And after asking Foster's wife if he owned a gun like this, she said no. Mm. He owned one silver revolver, but the one that was found on the scene was black. Yeah. Now, before we get all riled up and be like, oh, it's a smoking gun again. <laughs> um, there is some kind of explanation. I don't like the explanation personally. And this is another weird thing with the park police. So Foster's sister, Sharon Foster Bowman, believed it may have been their father's gun that was passed on to foster uh-huh. but this is the part that i don't like uh police never actually showed her the gun in person instead police had one of sharon's family friends show sharon a photograph of the gun and then that friend went back to the police oh my to gosh. tell them that uh sharon said quote it looked like a gun she had seen in her father's gun collection why did they go through the friend yeah that's that's just that's weird weird and it's not like... Unless she felt like, oh, I don't want to deal with it because I'm sad. But, like, still... Bro, police be calling you up. And be yeah. like, oh, your dad's dead. Sorry. Like... Yeah. I don't... That's weird. It's weird. So, yeah. like, a, yeah, why are the police going through family friends and not speaking to yeah. a direct relative of the Yeah, victim? that's weird. And then trusting what the family friend said, too? Yeah. Like, that's not a direct statement. No. So we don't even know if she actually even said that. Right. So that's this strange. started to cause major speculation because, duh, it's weird. But according to the documents contained by the Fisk investigators, they show without a doubt that the gun was not owned by Foster's father and had not been a part of his father's gun collection. So who did this gun belong yeah. to? Yeah. Um, that's crazy I, I was like oh did they did guns have serial numbers in the 90s they totally did I'm dumb but there was nothing about a serial number being connected which it's kind of easy to yeah. get a gun without a serial number I don't know whatever yeah. I think it's easy to get it. maybe I'm tripping am I tripping I don't know I'm I talking know. really fast though it's okay um, now a little bit more on the gun uh, park police did end up finding the 38 caliber bullet and it's casing and this is what is said to have killed Foster but the Foster family couldn't find any matching ammunition in their home. Hmm. Now this shouldn't have even be done, even been done. <laughs> now this shouldn't even be done have by the park been police. Done. Oh yeah, this should have been done by actual investigators. Oh yeah. Park police said they tested the gun for fingerprints, and there were none. Not one fingerprint, Lily. If there was, if he touched the gun, it was finger- found in his hand. Yeah. There would be fingerprints on this gun, no. no matter whose. No, no fingerprints. You're tripping balls, bro. Bro. Right? I'm so pissed off right now. I know. So, the gun found on Foster had been made out of two pieces of other guns and had two serial numbers on it dating back to 1913. Oh, I did mention serial numbers. So, it was just a really, really old gun. Oh, okay. So, with this confusion, they called up Larry Wilson, who is a big name when it comes to questions about antique cult weapons, and Wilson said this sounded like a, quote, drop gun to him. 
which is an old and untraceable gun left at crime scenes to confuse investigators, mm-hmm. which it's obviously working. Yep. So not only did Larry Wilson say this, but so did other veteran detectives. So I trust their, yes. I trust their input. Yeah. For, oh. Somebody in our neighborhood got their car stolen. Do you have the next door app? Yeah, my mom does. It's really funny sometimes. Did you hear about how people are apparently stealing Kias and Hyundais? I have a Hyundai. Yeah, because they're really easy to, like, break into. No, I totally believe it because I call my car a tin can all the time. <laughs> my mom has a Kia. Bro. My mom has a Kia, um, and you have a Hyundai. Well, there's, like, you have to pass, like, six Kias and Hyundais to get to mine. True. So I hope this... I don't lock my car, though. Uh, Emma, lock your car. Um, I only lock it if... Like, I mean, at least if it does get swollen, they won't break your window or something. Yeah, it is. Because it's already unlocked. Uh, so sure, true yeah back to the case Keep anyways sorry kind of funny um y'all want to know my license plate too <laughs> so remember the guy i said was only known as cw confidential witness oh yeah okay so that Ooh, person they i was curious about that him. when they saw the body there was no gun at all so this confidential witness was like mm, there was no mm. gun not in foster's hand or anywhere in the immediate scene that they could see in fact, this witness even told a congressman of Indiana that when he saw Foster's body, both palms were face up, thumbs outward. Oh. Interesting. Yes. <laughs> um, I was going to say something, but I like, blinked. <laughs> so now back to the actual logistics of what would happen when a gun is fired in a, in a, a mouth. So trigger warning. Okay, so... Oh, this is what I wrote. Also, I found out who Fisk is. He's a detective. That's why it says Fisk reports. Anyways, trigger warning. Um, <laughs> the way that we really actually thought it was a report. I know. I was Instead like, of I was saying Googling Fisk report. He just said, like, he uh, just, that's so I know. funny. I was like, wait, I've never heard of this in the FBI. What is this? <laughs> so, as we know, it is theorized that Foster pressed the gun to the far back of his throat and pulled the trigger. But as a New York police detective said, Look at the gun. If it was the instrument of death, there would be blood on it. A thirty-eight mm. makes a powerful explosion. There's backwash of blood and tissue. Yeah. So, in cases such as this, the blast that would happen after... I, I'm talking so fast. It's so, okay. In cases such as this, the blast that would happen after the trigger is pulled would make a vacuum almost because you have gas, heat, and a flame all in close proximity, mm. and it would rip away tissue from the mouth. But the gun was sparkly clean. Not even fingerprints, remember? Yeah. Now, let's talk about the note that was found in Foster's office that was a little suspicious. Um, on July 26th, while, pass- while packing <gasps> Foster's things... That's my birthday. Oh my god, happy birthday. Thanks. A White House lawyer, Stephen Newworth, turned over Foster's bag and yellow scraps of paper came out. And oh. while this note doesn't say anything ex- explicitly about suicide, <laughs> um, it in a sense, is known as his suicide note. Mm. And it wasn't smoothly written. It was scrawled out and in pieces. And it read, quote, I made mistakes from ignorance, inexperience, and overwork. I did not knowingly violate any law or standard of conduct. No one in the White House, to my knowledge, violated any law or standard of conduct, including any action in the travel office. There was no intent to benefit any individual or specific group. The FBI lied in their report to the Attorney General. The press is covering up the illegal benefits they receive from the travel staff. 
the GOP has lied and misrepresented its knowledge and role and covered up a prior investigation. The usher's office plotted to have excessive costs incurred, taking advantage of uh, khaki and HRC. And khaki is khaki Hawkersmith, the Clinton's director. Mm. I'm sorry, not director. Decorator from Little Rock. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, uh, I'm not. Oh, it's not done. It's not done. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. Keep that in your mind. Okay, I will. <laughs> the public will never believe the innocence of the Clintons and their loyal staff. The WSJ editors lie without consequence, and that means the Wall Street Journal. Mm. I was not meant for the job or the spotlight spotlight of public life in Washington. Here, ruining people is considered sport. End mm. quote. That was the note. Mm. go on it is interesting though that like when he left he said i'll be back and he left his briefcase yeah because the note was in there right Um, or fell out of it or something it was it said that the lawyer turned over his leather bag oh okay but i don't know if that was a briefcase (laughs) anyways um, that is interesting that he would leave it and then that would happen yeah it was all ripped up and scrawled out yeah but then it's also interesting like that just doesn't to me that doesn't feel like a suicide that seems like him ranting to himself yes like yeah just like writing things like he didn't say anything about his family he didn't say anything about like yeah like nothing nothing it was just sort of like oh i guess he was like i'm stressed yeah they took the first sentence and ran with it and they were like oh he's an overworked depressed man yeah so it it doesn't feel like a suicide note no but it's known as because it's the only note that was written by him yeah right they don't even technically know when that note was written so right um around the same time that this note was released to the public the press was saying that the park police had found another note in foster's wallet containing the names and numbers of two different psychiatrists so they found that and hopped on it and we don't even know if that note is real right psychiatrist notes so right my question is, again, why were park police in his wallet? Does, doesn't that get bagged and taken in for testing or something? Right. Like, I get looking for an identification, but going through his wallet, be like, oh, what is this day? Yeah. No, no. Well, and to me, like, just park police, that just feels like you're just like a security guard. That's what it is. Yeah. Like, how are you allowed? I, think, I don't know. Because... I feel with the name like Park Police, that sounds like it just sounds, sounds like, like a mall security. police. Yeah, it just sounds like a, like like or like a I mean a TSA person or or like yeah like you have clearance, you have jurisdiction, but you're right. not like the FBI or anything, right? Like you're not. Yeah, I don't know. That just seems weird. I mean, maybe I'm just ignorant and I have no idea. Yeah, maybe but, I'm ignorant too. But I googled and it was just like anyone can apply to be Park Police. It's like yeah it just feels like a park ranger yeah right exactly like it just feels so unprofessional and like they're They're not acting unprofessional yeah for sure yeah and they're just like not supposed to be there yeah that's the vibe that i get they're just kind of like tagging along for the whole thing yeah like they're excited that's what it feels like yeah they're like oh i'm in something yeah um yeah i don't know i feel like the wallet shouldn't should have been bagged and taken in yeah that's what they always did in bones but i don't know what i'm talking about (laughs) uh but again, my, my question is still there. Why were park police so involved in this? Yeah, um, same. On that weird, obscure little note, we are going to leave you off. Oh. Here before part two. Woo. Uh, have no fear, though. I know this is like a speech to everyone. <laughs> I know our recording schedule is whack. It is. Uh, it feels like every time we try to get a real schedule na- nailed down in like one of our meetings, like yeah. life happens. I'm sorry. 
partly my, it's mostly my fault. I mean, it's okay. Ever since I got this computer, I've been like cracking out my episodes. Though, yeah, you have. Like, whipping them out. Those um, Macs, they might have Bro, it's so smooth to type on. Sorry, my nose is sorry, Oh, yeah, you're a little sick, aren't you? Yeah, She's just a, a little. little sicky. But I'm like, I'm get like, I'm fine. Like, I got over it yeah. pretty much. But like, I still am like a little congested. I'm not too worried about it. So, yeah, I figured. I prom- Oops. Oh. I promise that we are trying. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'm just a busy gal. Yeah, and I always tell, I'm scared for when you get into college, though. Same. I'm scared for that. I feel like you're going to give up on me. I know. I don't, I don't want to. This is so fun. I really don't want to. Um, if you just take like an hour a day to like research. Yeah. I'll have to like force myself really hard. I did hard the math thing. and it comes out to about like seven hours of research okay. a week. Yeah. It's like an hour a day. Yeah. It's not bad. I believe in you. Thanks, girl. I don't even know if I'm for sure going this fall anyway. So we'll see. Oh, this fall? Like as in like this semester? It wouldn't be this one oh, for sure. But I mean, probably. yeah. Like, yeah. I just got to figure it all out. Anyways. Okay. Super, yeah. super fun. Super fresh. Super um, fresh. Thanks for listening. Fresh. Yeah, thank you. We yeah. appreciate it. We love it. I thought that thing said an hour and 59 minutes, and I was like, what the heck? But no, hour and seven minutes. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Hour and eight minutes. Hour and eight. Well, <laughs> Silas hates when we talk about, like, no. what length the episode <laughs> is that because he's like, no, because I have to cut out 10 minutes of laughing. <laughs> so we're actually only at 25 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> Oh, funny. Um, well, thanks for. Oh yeah, um, Patreon. Hello. Oh yeah. Um, I think our tier names are so funny. I think so they are too. They're hilarious. What, are they, what is it called? Uh, the first tier is basically a detective. The next one is. Let's start a cult. And then the other one is. The husband did it. Yes. Yeah, that one is so funny. So there's gonna be lots of fun things. I'm talking like, you get a free sticker from us. You get access mm-hmm. to a Facebook group. You get live oh, yeah. Q and A's. You get to request episodes um and if you do decide to join the highest tier then you get a bonus episode every month mm-hmm. patreon only yeah super cool that's like really exciting i know oh and you get an on-air shout out too if you join swag the, the highest tier so uh y'all are awesome thanks for listening yeah thank you follow our instagram at uncovered the pod that's the only one i have memorized really yeah. i have the email oh yeah send us an email at the uncovered pod at gmail.com uh mm-hmm. follow us on twitter at uncovered atcp uh follow us on tiktok yeah at the uncovered podcast mm-hmm. and go to our patreon which will be linked in our instagram bio we'll have to add that to the link tree Oh, yeah, that's your job. Lily's in charge of the link tree. I am. The only thing I'm in charge of. And you guys are going to get so much, like, behind-the-scenes content. Yeah. Because I'm not going to lie, I'm a whore for, like, behind-the-scenes things. Yeah, I love behind-the-scenes stuff. I will stuff. be hopping on that Patreon every day. I'll, like, I'll make mini-vlogs for you guys. <gasps> oh, my gosh, that's fun. so fun. I could try and do that, too, but I'd be so nervous. Yeah. We could, like, Emma is so good together. at just filming herself oh, and thank you. talking. This is, like, this is, like, my dream. Like, yeah. I, I want to make this, like, a full-time thing. Same. And the Patreon will help that. So yeah, I think that's all. All right, love you guys. Love you. See you next time. See you next time. Oh, maybe not. Oh, Oh, I won't. Silas will. See you next time. Maybe I have to convince him. Yeah. Last time he tried, he didn't like it. Yeah, we like filmed it and not filmed it, recorded it. I always say that. I know it's so embarrassing. Okay. Well, bye bye. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye.